Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is Beneficiary Updates. And for this helpful discussion, I'm thankful to be joined remotely today by John Hetrick, Wealth Advisor in First United in First United's Wealth Management Department. John, how are you doing this morning? Very good. Uh, you know, thank you, uh, Eric, for hosting this session. And uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you today. Absolutely, I appreciate you joining. How's your How's your summer been? It's starting to wrap up, or uh, it's getting a little chillier at night outside. Summer is uh, coming to a close. You can notice it in the evenings when uh, you're losing daylight. So I, I think the uh, the number of days left in the golf season are, uh, are getting you know, small. You're trying to get out on the course as much as possible. Trying to, but when you know you work all day and you get home in the evening and you have the kids and you know different uh, activities and dinner, you know you're, you're, you don't have a whole lot of daylight left. That's right. That's right. Well, John, I I appreciate you joining me today, but uh, our for our listeners, you're a first timer, so I want to give you the opportunity, if you would, to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You're you're relatively uh, new to First United; you've been there a couple years now. But um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, uh, what your background in finance is, uh, and how you got into to wealth management at First United? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So I uh, uh, graduated from uh, Southern Garrett High School right here in Oakland, um, born and raised in Garrett County, um, graduated from West Virginia University. And after college, my wife and I moved to the eastern shore of Maryland for five or six years. And then we relocated to the Baltimore area where we spent the better part of the last 25 years. Um, while I was in Baltimore, I worked for a, a large bank and I did what was called uh, retail or consumer banking. Mm-hmm. Had uh, various roles, uh, you know, with uh, the bank, and uh, most of the time I was uh, in like financial center operations or like banking center management. So on the retail side, you know, I've done, um, I've worn a lot of different hats, and then the opportunity came up where I could move back uh, closer to home. I still have uh, family here; my uh, father and brother are still here, and I just thought it was a, a good opportunity to get back to my roots and you know be close to family and. Uh, uh, yeah, I just r- really enjoy how First United is a big part of the community, and I was looking forward to uh, you know that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, and we're happy to have you. And also, let's go Mountaineers. That is correct. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, John, uh, like we said, today we're going to be talking about beneficiary updates. So let's start the conversation out and kind of level the playing field. And could you start off by explaining to our listeners what beneficiary updates are and why they're important in the world of wealth management? Sure. So on all bank accounts, whether it's an investment product or you know something that retail banking has, you can designate somebody as a beneficiary. And there's a misconception out there where if you think you list you know a brother, sister, child as a beneficiary on account you think that you're giving them control or access <laughs> over that account. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. All you're doing is basically saying that if something were to happen to me, 
I'm designating or I'm earmarking that I'd like this count to go to such and such. So I think a lot of people, you know, they, they hear that term, you know, beneficiary, and they think they're giving away control or they're, you know, they could potentially, you know, you know, let somebody have access to that. You like know, a power of attorney money. kind of level. That's correct. Yeah. And that, that's not the case. If somebody's listed as a beneficiary on account and they were to, you know, say, hey, you know, what's the account balance or, you know, can I you know, have a distribution or withdrawal funds? They have no access to it. It's only in the fact that if you pass away, you basically have set up a you set a plan in place that you know you want that money or those funds to go to somebody. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about confirming beneficiary contacts. So you know, if you go through the process of setting up people to be beneficiaries on an account, how often should you confirm that and what are the risks of not doing that? So to confirm it, you basically need to gather some information. So, you know, that's probably the most painful part of the process is that you do not know all this information on, you know, your family or uh, your friends or whoever you're going to list as beneficiary. Like contact what information? Know, or? That, that is correct. But it goes a little further than that. Mm-hmm. So you would need name and address. You would need a date of birth. You do need a social security number. You need a good contact phone number, and you need an email address. So, for for most of those, you know, you know a name and an address, but you may not know that that date of birth or that social security number. And some people that either they they feel a little odd or you know a little strange about asking for that. <laughs> right. But you know, you have to kind of explain and have a conversation with you know friends or family or whomever you're designating, and just you know, explain what you're doing and. You don't have to give a lot of details, but just say, hey, you know, I'm looking to update, you know, some of my beneficiaries. I'd like to go ahead and, you know, designate you as somebody. I, I'd like to have this information. Hmm. And once you have that information, the uh, the confirming part is what I suggest is going back maybe six months after you have it established. And just because you thought you made the change doesn't really mean that the change went into effect or went in place. So you kind of want to double check and just make sure that it's there. Mm-hmm. And then once you once you know that, well, then um, what I suggest to everybody is that in the first quarter of each year, when you're doing your taxes and you're collecting documents, just go through and do a real quick review and just make sure that everything that you think is in place is actually as you know as as you think it is. Right, right. So, so can, do you have any examples, like real life examples, that you've seen where maybe somebody hasn't confirmed their beneficiary contact and and it led to some problematic situation? Sure. So let's say that you are a younger person just starting out in life. Um, you are married, you have a child, and you have a your spouse listed as the primary beneficiary, and then your your child as a like a contingent beneficiary. Hmm. Well, then what happens is if you have more children down the road and you never went and you know actually added that that second, that third, right. that fourth child as a beneficiary? And you and your wife pass away. Then the eldest boy is in control. That is correct. (laughs) Or, you know, another, you know, odd situation is that if you have your wife listed as the primary beneficiary, and I call it a life event, a life event happens and you become separated, you become divorced, you still have that person listed as your primary beneficiary but you have two or three children. <laughs> so, right. you know, you need to get in the habit of, you know, the first quarter or whenever you pick, I suggest the first quarter that you go in and just make sure the information is as you intend it to be. Yeah. So it sounds really important that 
you should have regular reviews of these. Are, are, are you doing that or are you suggesting that a person should do that on their own or should they meet with an advisor? Both. So here in the trust department or the wealth management department for First United Bank and Trust, when we do our reviews or when I do my reviews, I print out the legal paperwork and any sort of like addendums or beneficiary listed information we have listed. And I make an effort just saying, you know, have there been any changes? Is this what you still, you know, want or is this, you know, what you would like to have in place? And and because I regularly do it, I don't hear a lot of objections, but, you know, it does change from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, when you're going through a review like that, maybe we've got listeners who, you know, maybe they have assigned a a beneficiary to one of their accounts or, you know, cause I think oftentimes when people think of, of having beneficiaries on their accounts, they're thinking of like the, the accounts that have a lot of money in them basically. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, we, I wanted to ask like, are there other types of accounts you should be thinking about? I mean, do, are there certain accounts that can't, cannot have beneficiaries or how do you, how do you balance that? Sure. So I think that most people, when they think of, you know, beneficiary or what that means, um, what comes to mind would be like a 401k, maybe mm-hmm. a 403b, an insurance policy. Well, it actually goes a little further than that. So you can actually designate a beneficiary on just you know a checking account, a savings account, even a bank IRA. You can mm-hmm. basically say, you know, if something were to happen to me, you know, I want these funds, or you know, I'm earmarking these funds that you know I want my brother to have them, I want my my aunt to have them. Whoever you put in place, you can do so. Now, the difference is on like a 401k, 403b, if you're married, your spouse has to be the primary beneficiary. Um, if you want somebody other to be, well, there's something like a, it's called a spousal consent form where they have to, you know, sign off saying that, you know, that it's okay that they're not listed as a primary beneficiary and then you can list whomever. Whereas a normal bank account, if it's just a checking or savings account, you don't have to list your wife or your spouse as your uh, primary beneficiary. If you want those funds to go to your brother or your sister or whomever, you can designate that. Gotcha. So it sounds like pretty much anything can have beneficiaries attached to it. There just may be rules as to who should be in position number correct. one. Yeah, that is correct. And, and something I like to ask people to kind of make people think or maybe open their eyes is basically I say, you know, or, you know, ask the opening question saying, you know, have you, um, you know, what are your plans for, you know, state planning or have you done a state planning? And a lot of people basically said, well, I don't have a plan in place or, you know, I haven't really thought about that. And where you turn it is, well, if you haven't thought about it, you actually do have an estate plan in place because without a, you know, a plan in place, that means that the government's basically going to go in and they're going to decide that you have to go and you have to have a will and a, an executor and you go to register wills and they'll basically distribute the money. <laughs> There's a plan. You just might not have yes. control over it. <laughs> that is correct. You may not have went through the estate planning process, but there is a plan. It's just, you know, there's going to be, I guess, some hoops and hurdles you have to, you know, go through instead of just, you know, a beneficiary going in with a death certificate saying such and such passed away. I'd like to inform you of this. And then, you know, whomever can make a distribution, whereas that account's not earmarked or tagged as a beneficiary, you know, listed, well, then you have to go through the process of, you know, somebody going to the register of wills and being appointed as executor. And then, you know, the executor will then distribute the estate. Right. 
Now, a couple of times now you've mentioned um, reviewing the first quarter of every year. Uh, why, wh- wh- why is that? Why are you saying first quarter is a good time for that review? So as long as you do it at some point on a regular basis, if it's the fourth quarter, second quarter, whatever, I don't have a problem with that. But I think that the average person, they choose to ignore or not to deal with things. But everybody has to do, you know, prepare their taxes or get them ready to be prepared the first quarter. So, you know, go ahead and just put that on the checklist. It's a new year. You know, in addition to me, you know, filling out my or completing my taxes, I go ahead and just, you know, make sure my beneficiaries. Check beneficiaries, you know, yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. The certainties in life, death and taxes might as well tie beneficiary reviews to well, one of those. It's, it's <laughs> the first quarter of the year, too. So it's not like you're going to be outside playing golf. See, the whole thing is you, you have to get it done so that when you know the good weather comes around, you have the ability to go play golf. <laughs> that's, that's great. Great callback. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, a moment ago, you mentioned tag. You said, is it tagged? Let's talk about tagging what first of all what is what do you what do you mean when you say tagging so, so i need to apologize i use <laughs> bank jargon when you uh when you talk with people you need to uh try to avoid that just because you know you're questioning like what is tag like i haven't played tag since i was eight years old um so so what you see by that is you're designating that would be a better word to use and uh, how you see it on accounts typically is listed where you see uh, the beneficiary's name and either behind it or before that, you'll see the letters P-O-D or T-O-D. Mm. P-O-D is bank jargon for payable on death. T-O-D is bank jargon for transfer on death. The T-O-D or the transfer on death designation, that's more something that you saw many years ago. You don't see that that quite often. What commonly you see now is POD, which again is uh, payable on death. Got it. Got it. So you so you assign uh, one or more names as beneficiaries on an account. Let's say you've got a checking account with hundred bucks in it, and you've mm-hmm. got a couple people on it, and they've got POD as their tags. You want to make sure that they're tagged correctly, so that upon your death, then it would kind of pay out to those that set of people. They would get whatever portion of that that money. That's correct. So let me put it into like a real world example for you. So let's say that I have a uh, individual checking account just in my name and my wife's not on the name. So how I would see that account would be John D. Hetrick. Mm-hmm. But let's say that I want to go ahead and have my wife listed as a uh, the beneficiary on the account. The account title would actually say John D. Hetrick. And on the second line would have my my wife's name but then behind her name, it would have the letters POD. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't give her ownership. It doesn't give her access. All it does is list her as a beneficiary that if something were to happen to me, that she would have access and the bank would go ahead and just, you know, the money that's in that account, they would go ahead and just distribute give it to her. her. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there mistake common mistakes that you see people make when they're designating beneficiaries? Um, the, the, the common mistake is that you put a plan in place and you do not go back and update the plan. So gotcha. we touched on it earlier where, you know, you, your, your thoughts, or your intentions are to have all your children listed and that when you set the plan in place, there was only one child. Well, now you have four children. Gotcha. 
um, that I go ahead and I list my wife as the beneficiary on the account. And then, you know, unfortunately something happens and, you know, we become divorced and I'm now a bachelor. But the way that the, the last instructions you gave that bank is if something were to happen to me, I'm now designating that my ex-wife is going to receive those funds. Right. And and there's nothing that a person could do at that point, right? It's that's, that's sealed. That's correct. So, and then, uh, so if you list more than one person, is it just a, just a percentage? Does it just go, so there's two people, 50, 50, three people, everybody gets correct. 33%. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Interesting. Okay. So the best, the, the, the most common mistake and the best way to avoid it is just look at it and look at it at least annually because you never know what's going to happen. That's correct. So, I have a term I use uh, in banking called money in motion mm -hmm. and money's always in motion. And what I mean by that is life events. Yeah. So it could be a death, a birth, um, a change of situation, such as a new job. Um, you've retired, you've um, uh, married, you're divorced. There's something always happening and people are like, well, you know, I live a pretty, you know, uh, basic life or, you know, boring life. Nothing ever happens to me. You'd be surprised. That's why, you know, once you have that plan in place, it won't take you long to, you know, go back and revisit or take a look at it. And with technology now, a lot of companies actually have it that you can look at a statement online or you can look at your beneficiary plan online. So it's not even like you have to make a phone call or go visit somebody. A lot of things you can do for yourself. Just my whole thing is just I don't care what manner or method you do. Just, just do make it. sure that you try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I guess one other question that maybe some listeners may be thinking of is like, is there any cost to this? Like if someone wanted to meet with you to talk through this topic, is there a, a price that they have to pay a, a fee or is it just no. part of the service? It's part of the service. So basically, you know, we're deeply ingrained in the, the local community and, uh, you know, we're looking that maybe you're not a customer now, but we're looking to always, you know, have you as a customer down the road. Or if you have a small relationship with us, we're always looking to deepen that relationship and, you know, you make you part of uh, the family here at First United. Sure, sure. So, John, as we as we wrap up, can you um, can you summarize for our listeners any key takeaways or things that they need to remember when thinking about beneficiary information and keeping it up to date? Sure. So on the front end, you just have to know the types of information or what you need to collect. So again, that's going to be your know, name and address, date of birth, uh, social security number, a good contact phone number, and an email address. Um, I'm sure most people have that saved in their phone. They may have a, a Rolodex or a filing cabinet. They have it saved somewhere. Just you know, have the information, and then just you know, every year or whatever method, you know, go in and actually check the information to make sure it's, uh, you know, true and accurate. Got it. Any final tips or resources that you can share for, for someone that, that might be, uh, looking to make sure all their beneficiary information is in order. So I know that the, uh, the wealth management or the trust department, we've been doing, uh, these financial check-ins. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, pop in your local branch or, you know, call your local branch and just say, Hey, um, you know, is there time available that I could come in and meet with somebody and just to kind of go over my accounts? And it might be something very simple, just to saying, hey, everything looks good. Or they may uncover that we need to have uh, further conversations and, uh, you know, make some updates or make some changes. Mm -hmm. um, 
for for our wealth management team. Um, I'm located out here, the Oakland office, but all the officers here, we travel to different locations and, you know, Garrett, Allegheny, Mineral Counties. But even if you're outside that footprint, if you're in the West, you know, the Morgantown area or as far East as uh, Hagerstown and uh, Frederick, we have advisors and teammates in place that would uh, like the opportunity or love the opportunity to actually sit down with you and uh, learn a little bit about you and go over your finances. That's great. John, uh, as we wrap up today, uh, as, as you may know, this is the 60th anniversary of wealth management at First United. That's a ton of experience and knowledge that's right here in our neighborhood available to our customers. And as you mentioned, for stuff like this, completely free. Just come in and meet with us. Um, what does what does that 60-year mark mean to you? And, and what do you enjoy best about working in wealth management? What I love about it is the fact that, you know, we're a pillar in the local community. Uh, to say that, you know, you've done something for 60 years, you know, speaks for itself. The bank itself uh, was founded in 1900, but the wealth management department, um, you know, 60 years ago. So that's, you know, quite a uh, an accomplishment. Um, what I like about being part of a, uh, a local bank is the fact that when you work with First United Wealth Management, you pick the phone up and you're calling that advisor. And if they're not available, you're leaving a voicemail or speaking to one of the administrators. Whereas with a lot of larger companies, every time you call that company, you're potentially speaking to a different person each time. So here it's all about relationship building where, you know, you have that personal contact, that personal interaction where you're, you're working with somebody that knows you, your family, the entire relationship. So I'm very proud to be part of that. And, uh, you know, I would love to say, you know, let's look for, you know, to the next 60 years, let's see what we can do. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, something impressive to kind of, you know, tout ourselves or, you know, uh, talk about our accomplishments. We're talking about uh, 60 years, but then the uh, wealth management, we're currently managing 1.4 billion in assets. And yes, that was B, uh, B, billion as with a B. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today and providing such helpful insights. And and you've already mentioned a couple of uh, ways, but if anyone has a specific question, maybe they want to learn more, maybe they need help with setting up their beneficiaries or tagging correctly. Now that we know that it's called tagging, um, <laughs> maybe um, what's the best way they can get the support that they need. There's a couple different ways. So uh, first and foremost, you can call me directly. My uh, office phone number is 301-533-2359. You can email me at jhetrick at mybank.com. Or if you live outside our footprint um, or you would like to work with uh, one of the other officers, all you have to do is go to uh, mybank.com and there's a wealth management tab. You click on that and then you can find one of the advisors in the area or there's like this general inbox where you can just leave a, a question or a comment and we'll route it to one of the officers that are more locally uh, you know, close to you in proximity. John Hedrick, Wealth Advisor in First United's Wealth Management Department. Thanks again, John. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. 
Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.